This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, and I've got a podcast-exclusive follow-up on a story we first talked about back in late October. That show was about how the border crisis has become politically explosive in northern U.S. cities ever since Texas Governor Greg Abbott began busing thousands of migrants to places like New York City. The tensions are especially high and historically significant in Chicago. More than 21,000 migrants have been sent to Chicago thus far. The city's shelters are full. Migrants have been sleeping at O'Hare Airport and police stations, which means the city has been frantically searching for places to convert to more migrant shelters. And many potential sites are in Chicago's historically black neighborhoods. Residents there say their neighborhoods have long been neglected by the city, and they're outraged to see hundreds of millions of dollars spent on migrants when they've been asking for more investment for years. This crisis is a major political issue for Mayor Brandon Johnson and for Chicago Democrats as a whole. By the end of our October show, neighborhood leader Kata Truss said she was so frustrated by the city's leadership, she was going to make a big change. And I'll be honest with you, but I'm done with the Democratic Party. I am officially done. I don't know if that means that I'll be stepping over to Republicans or if I'll be looking for more independent candidates. But what it does mean is two things. I will be voting based on people who represent my interests. Right now, that is not the Democratic Party. Mm. And with the Democratic Convention coming here in June, I'm telling you, these people better get their acts together because I am not the only Black person in Chicago who feels this way. And the Democrats better pay attention because all it takes is 10% of the Black vote to switch. And they've lost everything. Since then, the tensions have spilled over into Chicago City Council meetings and into the city budget. More notably, Mayor Brandon Johnson seems to be getting the message. He just announced some significant changes to the city's policies on housing migrants. So for this follow-up, we've got Tessa Weinberg, city government and politics reporter for WBEZ in Chicago. Tessa, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I have to say that in trying to follow the -the on-the-ground politics in the city of Chicago, it's been a little bit of a maelstrom for me. So help us sort some things out. First of all, there was a recent budget meeting for the city. What happened there? There was a budget meeting that was basically Mayor Brandon Johnson's first city budget as mayor. I'm going to be perfectly clear. What current residents need and deserve from our city is not the same as what new arrivals need in this moment. And this was Mayor Brennan Johnson's budget that really followed through on a lot of his campaign promises to uh, enact some of his more progressive policy agendas. But there was some pushback with only $150 million budgeted for new arrival services. And that is supposed to go toward helping our city house and care and support the more than 21,000 migrants that have arrived to Chicago since August of last year. And several alderpersons said that they felt this was was not a balanced budget and that that money was not going to be enough to get us through the rest of the year, a point that the mayor's administration has acknowledged and said they are banking on more state and federal funds to come through to help the city. And as our city meets the moment, we continue to call upon the state of Illinois and the federal government to provide greater coordination and collaboration and resources dedicated to this issue. Now, how we support those who seek refuge in our country and in our city 
It speaks to our values. The chief pushback came from city council alderman Anthony Beal? Mm-hmm. Yes. This budget just says we're going to hope and pray that the federal government steps up to the plate. Well, let me give you all a dose of reality. We have a big election in November, and we have a president who's fighting for his life, and we have a Republican House in D.C. The likelihood of us being bailed out out of the federal government during an election year is very slim to none. Yeah, Anthony Beal is a longtime member of Chicago's city council, and um, I think he would argue he is not necessarily considered an ally of the mayor's. He has been very vocal when it comes to how the city is handling its support of migrants and asylum seekers that have arrived to the city, and that was his biggest point he raised. He said that it's actually currently costing the city $40 million a month to offer programs to migrants, so... 40 times even four is 160, which is more than the $150 million in the budget. So what are we going to start doing come April when we run out of money? What are we going to do? Hope and pray that the federal government gives us money? Hope and pray that the state gives us money? In order for a budget to be balanced, we have to identify how we're going to get through the rest of the year. And we're not doing that. Tessa, did uh, Mayor Johnson have an answer to his question? At a news conference, he actually announced that the city was going to be announcing new limits on how long migrants can stay in shelters in an effort to more quickly move them out of the system. We are implementing a tiered 60-day shelter stay limit combined with robust case management and workforce access to move new arrivals through our system to self-sufficiency and economic stability. And then just this week, the state of Illinois has announced an additional $160 million for the city, and Cook County uh, has announced an additional $90 million earmarked for supporting migrants. So it does seem that some of those calls and beating the drum for more state and federal support has already panned out and more funding is on the way. Whether that will be enough, though, for the rest of, you know, all of next year with the pace of thousands of migrants we've seen arriving, I think remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... I also understand that the re- several recent meetings uh, of members of the city council have become quite rowdy, let's just put it that way, in terms of very vocal dissent. Clear the room! And even some, you know, alleged, I don't want to call them physical altercations, but some other kinds of altercations. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, there was one meeting in particular um, that recently happened where a special city council meeting was called by alderpersons who wanted to see this question of whether the city should keep its sanctuary city designation debated. They wanted to pass that so it could go on the March primary ballot for voters to weigh in. Do you, as a resident of the city of Chicago, believe that we should remain a sanctuary city? It's a simple question. I do want to note that that ballot question would be non-binding, so it really would just be kind of taking a poll of voter sentiments. Allies of the mayor were trying to stop this meeting from even happening, and it, it faced a couple of false starts. They could not even get started initially because they did not have a majority of members present to have a quorum to begin the meeting. And, Alderman Raymond Lopez, who wanted to see this come up for a vote, was demanding for the sergeant at arms to bring in members who were present at City Hall but not there for the meeting and to bring them into the chambers. 
I see, I see three people. There are, there are three aldermen in the annex. Instruct the sergeant at arms to bring them in. And this didn't really come out until after the meeting that Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who is one of the mayor's top city council allies, was his floor leader and the chair of the very powerful zoning committee. It was alleged that he had tried to physically block Alderwoman Emma Mitz, a longtime council member and member of the city council's Black Caucus, from even you know physically joining this meeting. And she was one of the members who walked in and was able to give the meeting a quorum to actually get it started. Now, is this the same meeting in which, at one point in time, the lights went off? Yes. Alderman Raymond Lopez asked for a a new city council member to preside over the meeting. Um, The mayor was out of town in Washington, D.C. that day, actually advocating for more federal funds. So he was not there presiding over it. Normally he would be. And um, the alder person in charge of the meeting abruptly adjourned it. If, If we don't recess, then we adjourn. And then later on, Alderman Raymond Lopez went up to the you know, the lectern uh, that uh, and tried to then recess the meeting as the lights had already been turned off to try to get people to, to vacate the chambers. We don't have. You are intentionally disenfranchising three black aldermen right now. You are choosing to disenfranchise three African Americans who are elected to represent people in this body. Other than the city council, the main political person at the center of this debate right now in Chicago is Mayor Brandon Johnson. His poll numbers seem to be declining in Chicago. Can you tell me sort of what the uh, the current feeling is about him as mayor? Yeah, I think, you know, Mayor Johnson, especially when it comes to the city's handling of the migrant crisis, you know, has really held the line on we have enough for everyone and we can welcome everyone and we're going to take care of our long disinvested communities, um, which I think he points to would say in his recent budget, he you know included funding for things like a commission to study reparations for a new office of reentry within the mayor's office to help formerly incarcerated residents pushing through very quickly um, legislation that would help uh, raise the minimum wage for tipped workers. So I think he would point to some of those things as, as things he is doing alongside caring for migrants. Um, however, I think we've seen some of that start to come to a head with the city, you know, announcing that asylum seekers will now be limited to 60 day stays in shelters. That is a, a new phase of Chicago really taking on and following in the footsteps of cities like New York. You know, we haven't really seen the mayor talk in terms of like New York's mayor has, who has actively said, don't come to our city. That has not been the message here in Chicago. However, these new limits, I I would argue are, you know, the most hard-lined, you know, stance we've seen of the city so far to really, you know, more quickly free up shelter space. And, you know, with that is going to be coming a, a reduction in rental assistance for folks. So there's really, I think, now being concrete limits put kind of on the city's assistance and in ways we haven't seen before. And I think that shows the tough position Mayor Johnson is in. Well, Tessa, as you've noted, the meetings have gotten somewhat rowdy uh, in recent weeks. But uh, the objection to building migrant shelters in various black neighborhoods has been consistent, right? Like we've heard it come from neighborhood leaders. We are not upset with the individuals who are being allowed to cross the borders into America. Let me make that very clear because people get it confused. We are, however, outraged with the government's response and our elected officials 
blatant disregard to the local crisis black families and children are facing now in our city. We've heard it from aldermen and women in the city council. When I spoke with the deputy chief of staff, she informed me that we would have this shelter here at this location, and I strongly object to it, and I object to it now. Uh, we've heard it from public comment in the city council, too. Y'all aren't doing nothing. You small businesses, only thing you're giving it to is Latinos, 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 Latinos. Nah, it's, 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 it's more than that. It's a disrespect. And y'all continue to allow this to happen. Like, like Mayor Johnson is the most hated. And he's going to continue to be hated. Only people that like him is teachers and some of y'all. Okay? Many of these people are saying they're never going to vote for Brandon Johnson again, even though they helped get him elected to the mayor's office. That has to be coming home to roost for the mayor, because I think I'm hearing him speak some new language about how he prioritizes the needs of newly arrived migrants versus Chicagoans. And and in fact, here's a sample of that. This is what he said uh, just after the recent budget meeting. They promised to never sacrifice the needs of Chicagoans in support of those who wish to become Chicagoans. I repeat, a promise to never sacrifice the needs of Chicagoans in support of those who wish to become Chicagoans. Chicago, I heard you and I hear you. I mean, this this sounds like a mayor who's trying to to put out a, a major fire regarding his own political prospects. Yeah, I do think he is having to, you know, walk this line. You know, after passing the budget and announcing these new shelter restrictions, he, you know, was stressing we are putting some restrictions in place, but the ultimate goal is people are treated with dignity and still stressing we're all, always going to be a welcoming city and a sanctuary city. And yet, I think in that clip, you know, you heard him say kind of, mark a dividing line between Chicagoans and existing residents versus those who who want to become Chicagoans. Only time will tell how this, may, you know, will play out. So I think it's hard to know what this might look like, you know, three years down the line. Um, but I do think it's put him in a very tough position. And I think we've seen that in concessions the city has had to put in place to to balance the, the kind of needs of everyone. Mm. Well, Tessa Weinberg, city government and politics reporter for WBEZ in Chicago. Tessa, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. I want to bring Jaime Dominguez into the conversation now. He's associate professor of political science at Northwestern University and principal architect of the Chicago Democracy Project. That's a 30-year-long online political database that measures policy outcomes for the city of Chicago. Professor Dominguez, I actually just want to take a a quick step back here and look at Chicago more deeply Mm -hmm. and and its history, because as we heard a little earlier when Mayor Johnson said, you know, he made a promise to never sacrifice the needs of Chicagoans in support of those who wish to become Chicagoans. I hear a mayor being very careful with his language there because, well, A, I would note that we don't actually know if the migrants who have been taken to Chicago want to stay in Chicago because... They're right. just being put on buses in Texas and not, don't necessarily know where they're going. That's true. But it, it made me mindful of Chicago's rich history of immigration. Have there been times before where there was such vehement pushback against the arrival of new people like we're seeing now? 
No, I haven't, at least since I've been in Chicago, and I've been here now 30 years. Immigrants in Chicago have not suffered the kind of racialization phenomenon that we see in other cities like my hometown, Los Angeles or uh, New York City, because of the fact that historically uh, immigrants have always been a part of Chicago's governing apparatus. They've been a huge component of the Democratic Party. And so they have always been, whether they were city employees, whether they were workers, whether they were teachers, they always saw them as kind of a partner. Mm -hmm. And so in many ways, the city has always balked at any attempt to demonize or or to racialize, right, the immigrants uh, in our city. I think what's different about this phenomenon right now is uh, just the the surge, I think, and just the fact that you're seeing it, you know, in real time. And for folks, it's very impactful. So I think what that has done is given folks uh, the uh, incentive to basically say, look, going forward as a city, are we here to protect those that are here, that have invested in the city, that have been longtime residents? get them the help and the needs and the resources that they need? Or are we all, are we about also at the expense of that, bringing in new folks, immigrants to a place uh, that is from a financial standpoint, right, is is uh, stretched to, to its limits. Now, I wonder if in addition just to the, the surge of people arriving, is this moment mm-hmm. also different because in previous immigration Waves. We saw people people who mostly came through, you know, the normal immigration process, whatever it was at the time, and then you know entered into New York or or Chicago. Whereas for the migrants that we're t- we're discussing now, their immigration status is uncertain, right? Because many have uh, requested asylum, others are undocumented. Does that also factor into this? I think so. I, and again, I, I think it also has to do with the fact that again that these are uh, why or voters are. Maybe thinking, why should we invest time, effort, resources, right, into this collective uh, if we're not sure, right? They're kind of in transit. We're not sure whether those investments in terms of resources are gonna are gonna pay out, right? This is just kind of a stopping point for them. They're going somewhere else. Uh, so I, again, I, I really want to go back to the point though. At, again, historically, Chicago, whether it was the Irish, whether it was the Poles, whether it was the Italians, and now it's Latinos, has always been a very uh, welcoming of immigrants and has provided. Uh, structure to facilitate right the gradual integration, political, social, and cultural integration of immigrants into this new place of destination for them. I'm still really uh, captured by how unusual these kinds of tensions are for Chicago. And I'm thinking back, let's say a century, there was a lot, a lot of immigration, lot of immigration to Chicago of, you know, various mm-hmm. European ethnic groups, right? Yet, as far as I understand from, from your historical research, ironically, those groups were very quickly uh, incorporated into the political structure of Chicago because the city's famous or infamous democratic machine really wanted. Uh, yes, absolutely. Them. Yeah. So tell, tell me more about that. Yeah, so I just you know they've always been seen as as part an integral part of the governing apparatus, the electoral um, the electoral as well as the governing, and so uh, they've always been important in terms of providing the votes right for elected officials, and obviously uh, to make sure that that there was a, a receptivity between the newly arrivals and the political establishment is just they use public resources right in exchange for their votes. Now, obviously, that has dwindled substantially because there's been political reforms that have 
prevented that from happening. But again, I, I think this is the first time where I see elites, political elites, really coming out and, and harshly critiquing right the arrival of, of immigrants, and in this case, Latino uh, immigrants. And so I think that we just have to be careful, I think. And I think this is what Mayor, John, Mayor Brandon Johnson is doing. We want to make sure that we don't go the, the way of seeing our immigrants as right antagonists, right, as people that are here to just take. Right now, a lot of the focus has been on the concerns from the Black community across Chicago, different neighborhoods. Are there mm-hmm. also concerns amongst various neighborhoods uh, where the Latino community is quite influential? And are those concerns the same or different as we're seeing from the Black communities? I think I think it's both. Um, in terms of just where is the city going to uh, locate right these migrants and creating these or building these new migrant shelters? Right, they've. It, it seems like they're going to predominantly Black and Latino neighborhoods. But even within the Latino neighborhoods, I think there's a there's a perhaps there was a misstep by Brandon Johnson's administration to just make the assumption, right, that because they're Latino majority, they're just going to, you know, have a kind of an open hand uh, for these immigrants to come in. And that's not necessarily true, right? These are people who, you know, perhaps it might be they could share perhaps immigrant status, but, you know, they, they're longtime residents. They're homeowners. English is their first language. And so they want to continue to, to obviously uh, promote that, but not at the expense, right, of we're taking in new immigrants. And so for, for Latinos, I think it's a question of that, the mischaracterization of the community and, and assuming perhaps that they were would be more friendly than non-Latino neighborhood, but that hasn't necessarily uh, been true. But I'm not surprised because of how stratified and heterogeneous the Latino collective is, even within one national origin group, say Mexican-Americans, right? Because you do have those that are, are tend to kind of swing more progressively to the left, some that are more left, left of center, and then some that are more conservative, right? And so I think we've seen that play out in terms of, if we look at just the last three mayor, even four mayor election cycles, that the Latino vote is actually split amongst different interests and different candidates. And so I think that that bodes well for the community as a whole going forward in terms of this is a community that can right bring voices that are going to be important in terms of right decisions that the city has to make uh, that's going to affect right all neighborhoods of all stripes. We are uh, always been, no matter whether you come from Europe or whether you come from South America or you come from Mexico, right, that immigrants are an integral part of Chicago civic life. They're a part of Chicago's political life. And going forward, the only way that the city is going to be able to sustain itself, right, is by making sure, right, that we continue to, to promote, right, a kind of healthy uh, uh, polity that's not going to, in any way, shape or form, kind of ostracize or demonize, right, a certain group just because they look different or they don't fit the, the, the norm of what people think that is, whether you're a resident or not. Well, Jaime Dominguez is an associate professor of political science at Northwestern University. Professor Dominguez, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure having me on. We'll keep our eyes on the story in Chicago as it continues to develop over the next several months. You can hear our original coverage at our website, onpointradio.org, or in our podcast feed. By the way, is there another past On Point show that you're still curious about or want us to follow up on? let us know via our On Point Vox Pop app. If you don't already have it, look for On Point Vox Pop wherever you get your apps. Thanks for listening. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. This is On Point.